Hello and welcome to Safe Room, the Disgusting Horror Game Podcast. Uh, I am your host today, Neil Bolt, on my own here. My brother from across the ocean, Jay, is not involved in this conversation, mainly because he hasn't played the game yet. But uh, I have got someone to discuss it with. It's not just me talking for an hour, I promise you that. Do not fear. Uh, I have brought in someone else who's reviewed the game for Wireframe. It's a returning guest, uh, GameSpot and by the disgusting journalist, Andrew King. How are you doing, Andrew? Hello, I am here to keep the Yankee ratio uh, up, keep the Yankee <laughs> to Brett ratio at, at 50-50. It has to be that way. It, it, the balance is wrong otherwise. Uh, it's, um, I must be the unique force, <laughs> I, I, as I said. <laughs> I gotta say, we are here to talk about Dying Light 2, okay? So we have both hands-on with this one, playing for it hour after hour, and have different outlooks coming into it. I think, you know, I came into this loving the first game, really being into that, and you came into it with less, uh, I might say, on that one. Your experience was a bit um, brief yeah. and odd, I would say. <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> my friend and roommate that I lived with at the time wanted to play uh, through this campaign on co-op. He had already played the game and he loved it and so he wanted me to play through the beginning and get up to wherever the point is that you can access co-op. And I was yeah. like, this was like right after I got out of college, I'd barely played any games throughout uh, college. And so I was like, I'm out of college, I'm gonna get back into video games again. I like dusted off my PS3, which throughout college had just been like the Netflix machine. <laughs> and uh, so I played like the classics that I had missed, you know, before like The Last of Us um, was one of the ones that I played. I got the Mass Effect trilogy on PS3. Um, and so this was one of the first games that I was playing in that time. And at that point, I was very bad at like first person games just because I didn't play them uh, growing up. And so I was taking forever to get through the introductory section. Um, and so I think my friend got frustrated <laughs> that it took me so long and uh, it left a bad taste in his mouth. So we never played it together. After that, we never actually played it together at all. I just played that introductory section. So I had like an hour or two of experience with that first game. I don't remember a ton about it. I do remember it striking me that like during the daytime, the zombies were like huddled inside uh, houses which is a big thing in both of these games is like the day night cycle mm. but yeah I didn't play anything beyond that I got excited about this one after I had heard some I think journalists who had talked about it after seeing it at E3 and talking about like how RPG inspired this game was compared to the first one and how they were putting a huge emphasis on, like, choice that if you allied with certain factions, it would make, you know, it would, like, flood certain areas, and then that area would be taken off the map, and or it would look different whenever you went back there. And that stuff yeah. was very exciting to me as somebody who likes, you know, RPGs generally and first-person, like, action-oriented, you know, Western RPGs specifically. This sounded like something that I would really be into, and so I volunteered... Um, to review this one, and, like, my, yeah. I don't know, lukewarm take is that the RPG stuff of this game is, like, the weakest part of it, in my opinion. Yeah, I think we'll definitely be discussing that at length, because it's, um, I think there's, there's several reasons why, you know, what was once promised probably didn't quite come to fruition, namely that Techland have got a little bit of history of maybe over-egging the pudding a bit, and uh, then 
hitting snags when they realise they can't quite deliver on it. Not maybe to the level that certain developers uh, have done in recent right. years, but still, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you can see why the, the comparisons were made. Um, so, you know, uh, just a brief description, of course, what Dying Light 2 is about. Um, sequel to the first game, but set 15 years later. For the first game, basically the idea is this quarantine city where the virus has got out and it's infected the local population and what remains is fighting each other for supplies and everything else. You go in as an agent who is there to find out some valuable information, uh, information from someone who might know about the virus. Uh, turns out, of course, that you're working for shady people and the, the GRE that you see in Dying Light 2 and they just want the virus so they can sell it and weaponize it, etc, etc. Um, that game ends with protagonists deciding that, no, we're not going to do that. I'm going to keep this here because I know they did that way. They can't bomb the city he's in and he can keep hold of it. But somehow, thanks to the 15 years that passed, we find out that they did get hold of the virus. They did keep doing experiments with it. And then they did what always happens. They messed up and it got out everywhere. And now the world is pretty much infested with this and humanity has little pockets, uh, you know, of resistance and there's the odd city here and there. And you have people that basically just roam the outside world, um, living day to day, not with any affiliation. And that's basically who you right. play as, is Aiden. Yeah. This guy who's searching for his sister that he hasn't seen since they were younger in an orphanage and had been seemingly experimented on by the sinister forces of the GRE it seems and so he gets a tip off early in this game that you know, in this city there might be some information about that one thing leads to another things don't go quite well for him he ends up in the city uh, with a whole new set of problems and having to chase that answer he wants round and round different factions in true you know epic quest fashion you know that that probably is the most rpg like element of it i think is the fact that the story is about searching for someone for a long time everyone dicking you around and saying well if you do this for me i might have information blah 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 and yeah that's that that's definitely the most rpg element of the whole thing um so when you gave me sort of notes on the game beforehand you know i obviously came in with this as i said with the having played the original and I had this whole thing with this where my expectations weren't necessarily high they were on level mm-hmm. I find I feel I was like well I know what Techland are like I know they're not going to deliver something that is like polished to perfection and it's going to be perfect I certainly didn't expect the story to be much better I mean Dying Light the original game is has the odd side character that's interesting even now you say no mm-hmm. maybe not that um, but the story itself was just bland as bland is I mean Roger Craig Smith was the protagonist voice then and which uh, the new protagonist sounds exactly the same weirdly despite being a completely yeah. different person and and a voice actor but um, yeah Roger Craig Smith bless him it's him in a zombie game he's not Chris Redfield uh-huh. so it's like he's also he's running and jumping but he's not Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. but he's um, all the same it was just it felt very mm, yeah that's that, that's pretty much the most solid safe option you yeah. go for which yeah probably doesn't help that then the next protagonist has that voice again and you're like ah white everyman guy yeah they, they sound so similar that I mistook 
both of them both times for Nolan yeah. North. I thought both <laughs> both of them. I was like, oh, it's Nolan North doing sort of you know, sort of phoning it in. You know, he's not giving us his Nathan Drake best. You know, and then I eventually looked up like, and it's not Nolan North. It's some guy that sounds like him. And that was also the case the first time around. I will say that you know, Aiden has a bit more personality to him than. Uh, Crane had in the first game, but you know, again, not hard. That, that was, yeah, we'll get to it's that. It's like sure. it's not necessarily something. I mean, because we're talking about this as sort of an, an RPG, mm. and what I like, what I I think dislike the most in an RPG is sort of the route that Cyberpunk took, where it's like you have a little bit of you have leeway to roleplay your character, but they also are very yeah. like. They're well defined enough that you can't really role play them. Like that is that's the worst. Yes. I w- I would rather have somebody who's a complete blank slate, or somebody like Geralt yeah. from The Witcher, who is like that's a you know defined character that you can make like choices within their set personality, but they also have a lot yeah. that they're bringing to the table. And I like I guess that Aiden and Dying Light sort of is closer to the you know blank slate. You know, he has desires that he is chasing after, but he's blander than, like, the cyberpunk um, protagonist, so you can project more of your own, um, you know, values onto, you know, what he wants, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's it. I, that's, that's a pretty fair assessment, I'd say, on that one. Um, yeah, so to say, you were saying before that during your time with the game, you never really felt like you were having a bad time, yeah. but rarely having a great time, yeah, which... Well, I think through most of the hours I played it, it's like, there's lots of it where you're just like, hmm, this is fine, mm-hmm. this is good, like that. And most of that's down to the fact that the parkour makes the bits in between, you know, going from A to B, you know, mm-hmm. fun you know, and enjoyable and, like, not a chore where you really, st- you know, in an open world game that you don't enjoy at all, you know, you notice it when you're having to go from point A right. to point B because that's usually the, the bit you don't like. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're doing it over areas you've been past several times. You know, here it's like you can go do a wall run, go do a jump off there, do a drop kick, do a drop kick, do a yeah. drop kick. Um, yeah, I like <laughs> drop kicks. So, but, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I think that again comes to the problem the game has for me that it's trying to be ambitious but wanting to have enough there that's safe to sort of support mm-hmm. it. And then sometimes it just gets stuck in between. And as we were saying, it had that ambition was there beforehand where they wanted to make this big, ambitious RPG thing and found that it was going to get harder and harder. And, you know, obviously they had delays. It's taken seven mm. years, you know, since the, and um, it's not made it any easier for mm. them. You know, compared to the first game, which, you know, is very open as well and does a lot of the same tricks. But you know, obviously, this game does all those things better. I would argue, with maybe the odd exception. It's you know, it's a shame that we have to have it that way. That there are compromises made, and you find these flaws that weren't there before because of that. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. But yeah, what can you do there? I suppose, but put more time into it. And the bigger the studio, the harder that gets. Right. I think you know, where you've got too many voices, or maybe just one voice is loud enough that you're going to be like. Mm. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, we can say this, this, and this. They're going to do that. And again, certain things, this I will definitely get into on terms of where you can see it the most. Um, right, so we'll go for it sort of section sure. by section here. Um, I will 
start off by sort of uh, going on about the differences here because as I said you haven't played a much of the mm. original so differences and similarities I should say so one of the biggest similarities I know is you know, pretty much halfway through when you discover a whole new area is that that was obviously that was done in the first mm. game as well you have all the slums that you're in and then you get to a higher you know more vertical city sort of area not as high as it is here, but um, still distinctly different. And you got the grapple hook at that point in that game, so it's like a twofer sort of thing. So while that was nice and fun to sort of have that similar thing again and have it, but having so much more verticality, it was very just you know, hmm, not really trying to do anything different there. If you're trying to go for the same story beats mm-hmm. there, um, the beginning's pretty much the same. Protagonist comes into a place gets infected sets his story in motion that's it basically the same thing happens here and then you have the same basic idea of like there are warring factions and you kind of have to decide what to do about that in the first game it's a bit more straightforward it's like there's a clear good team bad team you're not going to play for the bad team but you might have to do stuff for Mm. them because this is a you know ditty situation you know it ends one very clear way you killing the bad guy on top of the tower that's it the end of and yeah so here there is probably the biggest difference straight away that you have is that you can sort of go one way or the other and they're painted a bit in the middle you know here where it's like you can see good sides of both sides and bad sides and whatever and there are bad people in each side and idiots and betrayers and all that but um what else do we have we have the biggest changes are the fundamentals of the first game being elevated to new levels the 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 world itself is one in that you have a world that is very much more designed for parkour Mm. than the first game where they i think they had to go back and change the game halfway through when they realized they were going this route with parkour and so you still had half and half world where there was stuff that just didn't feel like it really worked yeah with the system they were building here so much of it is like no, no you can go on clear runs for ages if you know the right route and it just which is amazing you know especially once you've got to later stages of the game and got all these tools and that's fantastic you know when that happens and I love that about it and that alongside the fact that you have better arsenal of parkour tools to use with that makes it you know just the core of the game you know more than it was in the first game where parkour was nice it was cool but to me it was only some mm. of the game you know it's like there was other stuff I liked about it the atmosphere etc the atmosphere is actually something that you brought up and um, I was thinking about it feels very different you were saying about the beginning with the how melancholy mm. it feels um, where you know it's in the foresty sort of area then he meets the guy who's in Dying Light. Um, I think they did like a special chapter at the end of the mm. first game last week to sort of tie into this with that character. And yeah, it's all very serene and like the sad party bit about they find this sort of rich house where people have all just offer yeah. themselves to uh, at some point. Right. To me, which is weird because we came at that very differently because I thought that was awful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that I, I was worried. I was like, they promised better than this, and it's like, and maybe that's probably why I didn't mind it so much later on when with yeah. other stuff. But at that point, it was just that and this outdoorsy, foresty area. I was thinking, I know you're trying to do something different, but it feels a little too yeah. different. I think 
in context now, I think it kind of works because it's the last sort of calm before the storm of going into the city and having all this chaos and shit and you've got doom. But it, it's the first thing to really sort of make me feel at odds mm. with the game because the atmosphere of the first game, to me, is one of the most special things about it. It just has this hazy, scuzzy vibe to it. The soundtrack, you know, both soundtracks mm. are good, by the way, but the original soundtrack was just so... 80s Euro yeah. horror, mm-hmm. you know, a bit of Carpenter there as well, and and it just fit perfectly, yeah. you know, it just uh, that and the way the light looked as it was, as night was coming, and just the whole slummy look of the place. I liked that, and it, it just connected with me in a way that the beginning of this yeah. game didn't. The beginning of this game was like Fallout 4, and it was like, nah, this doesn't quite gel right yeah. with me. Especially after you get that sort of very brief bit at the beginning where he's running away from infected in the tunnel and you're not controlling it and then it's just straight into the... Now you've got to go collect honey and flowers. And it's like, fine. Um, but then they do sort of at least ramp it up a bit. Yeah. You know, they give you the, you know, the uh, chase to, through the tunnels and things and that was quite cool. Actually, any time they go indoors for those sort of sections, I really enjoy yeah. it. This game, I think, more than I did in the original game, where you had this thing where nighttime and going indoors weren't always that mm. fun, by com- compared to sort of going around outside and doing all the other stuff. Here, I think there's a bit a better balance, you know, in terms of it, there's more incentives for going places at night and doing things at night, and a few switches. Around. Yeah, I think that opening. I don't know that I would say that I think it's good necessarily the bit with the forest and the last party that you find it's just that it uh it made me surprisingly like overcome with emotion when i was playing it Hmm. i think just because it's like you know we're about to head into our third year of covid and so (laughs) like you know anything sort of any fiction I like deal with that is sort of pandemic uh, themed, you know, can press yeah. buttons in a way that it wouldn't have been able to in the past. Like I watched Dawn of the Planet of the Apes last night, and the beginning of that movie is like, you know, leaders talking about the the virus, the simian flu spreading across the you know across the world. Yeah. And, like, you know, using words like quarantine and lockdowns, it's like that stuff can press a button in me that I did not have before the pandemic happened because it's like, yeah, that is what it's like, you know? And so, like, this sort of hit on, like, you know, this this melancholy that we, you know, have at this point where it's like, you know, we just want this to be over and for things to go back to normal and this sort of puts you in a position where it's like well for these people you know with this virus they're they're dealing with there is no going back to normal and so you know them getting together to collectively commit suicide is like a i don't know the best choice that they feel like they can make to deal with the idea that things will never go back to normal and so for you know for us now you know I'm sure things eventually will go back to something that looks like what they were in 2019, but it sort of feels impossible at this point. And so that moment of finding those, you know, corpses at the last party is sort of uh, emotional in a way that I wasn't expecting. And it, 
it sort of made me not want to play the game for a little bit because it was like, is this the button that it's going to push for like you know the next <laughs> five hundred hours that I have to put into this game to to finish it? You know, <laughs> so we will clarify now. It doesn't take five hundred hours to finish. But no, but it, it it is a is a game that could almost convince you that it would take that long to complete the main story on the basis of how long it takes to dole out certain things to you. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a like good point. you know it's I was ten or twelve hours in before I made it to the central loop, which is the big actual you know bulk of bulk of the you know geographic area where the game takes place. And so yeah. at that point, I'm like, okay, I know that it doesn't actually take five hundred hours to finish this game, but if I wanted to, I could see how I could make you know it last forever if that small area that I was in oh, took yeah. me 12 hours to get through, you know, and not doing that much side stuff, like doing some of the side stuff, but you know, it, it, it is, it's sort of a wildly structured game because the way that it, it feels like if like when you played the Witcher three, if it was like, okay, getting out of white orchard is going to take you 15 hours, you know, that's sort of yeah. how it feels in this game because the area that you begin in is not that big, but it, it feels like it's big enough that it could be the, you know, where yeah. an open world game takes place. Yeah, which is, like I said, a trick to the first game, Paul, where it's like, yeah, it's all slummy, and, you know, given what you knew of Techland and, like, the island environments of Dead Island, it kind of felt, oh, yeah, this is exactly what it is. It was a nice surprise, I might add. Like, halfway through that game, you pretty much just... There's a mission where you have to go through some tunnels, and they say, oh, you've got to go into this old area where you, you know, it's been under lockdown, you can't go into it like that. And you, know, you come out the other side of it through this whole nightmare of betrayal and things in the sewers, and then find yourself in having like a second oblivion moment, if you know what I mean, where you come out of a tunnel or something, and here's the city, and like that. And it's like, and you see this very Eastern European style modern city, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, this is cool. So now you're having something that's a bit more upmarket, right. if you will. And, you know, that, and again, it's a place that makes use of a new tool. You know, there the grappling hook you had there, which was definitely more Spider-Man-y than the new one. Yeah, is. and you know, it, which I mean, that one would literally just pull you across areas. You know, whereas this one's more of a swingy one most of the yeah. time. Um, but yeah, it was there again where you had this great verticality coming into it. it was like now you can do more than just leap from rooftop to rooftop to avoid things. You can sort of cover greater distances. Um, I think. This game, maybe that change is so big in terms of like the environment and the buildings that going back to the old area, old Philidor area with those new tools, you don't get to use them quite mm -hmm. the same way, you know, because you're not really swinging from great heights. I mean, there are some great heights in that right. second area where you're just like teetering on high and platforming up like proper Mirror's Edge style mm -hmm. stuff where you are just, you know. One wrong move, you could be dead. Thing, I mean, not really because you've got right. a parachute, but it's like, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's exhilarating, and I love doing yeah. those things. And the puzzles they have there really worked for me. You know, there's so much stuff that is picked from other open world games. It's you know, that everyone rolls their eyes at when they see like radio towers and things like that. And it's like, but they're made fun because they're puzzles rather than just straight up right. you know, climb this climb this it's like the puzzles are really cool in some cases not all of them but you know the, and then they extend that to like you know you had the wire puzzles for doing the electrical substations yeah. you had the wire and stuff so it was nice little distractions from what you're normally doing and 
some good thought. Yeah. I like it when an open world game takes towers, which, you know, we've been saying for over a decade at this point, but then puts like a spin on it that feels appropriate for the style of world yeah. that it is or the, you know, genre of game that it is. Um, like Horizon Zero Dawn obviously has the, um, you know, like the robotic oh, robotic brontosauruses that are, you know, functioning as towers yeah. that you have to figure out how to climb. And like that's, you know, it's not a new thing, but it's 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 cool to see it in a different context. And I think that the way that this yeah. game uses it as like first person parkour puzzles for you to solve works for me. I don't I don't know if it'll work for every, but I mean, this game has sort of been, you know polarizing on that front, but I generally enjoy most of the side content that they give you to do. And, like, the puzzly stuff, especially those wire puzzles. I think the wire puzzles are very fun, especially there's one you have to do in the main quest where you have to swim down a corridor and then double back, open a second door, and then go back and get the cord and pull that through. That stuff is really... Those are really interesting spatial puzzles to, to me. And this game is, like, okay enough with Jank that it, like... It might clip through something, but it is, like, not going to break your immersion in the way that, like, Last of Us Part Two. it's like, we're going to have rope physics, and it's going to be, like, the craziest rope physics (laughs) you've ever seen. And this one is, like, it might get stuck on something you can't see, but that's just part of the jank of it that is, like, kind of enjoyable. I mean, there's jank in this game that is not enjoyable, which you encountered, you know, during the process of your (laughs) review. Yeah, I encountered, like, a sound bug. I wasn't anyone I spoke to another reviewer that had that Gary Bagdasarov of PSU said that you know, he had the same thing I had where it, it degraded over time You, they wouldn't speak in cutscenes I know people listening to this who don't like that story or the dialogue may be like oh well that's <laughs> good then but, like, but, but seriously it was like it came at a point in the story where you know it was you know all the revelations are starting to come up and like this like, like the whole hack on thing was like and him being a dick that's about when it sort of yeah. happened for me and uh, yeah like every sound bite was just gone some background noises were gone the subtitles you know you'd think they'd be a saving grace right. no 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 it was an extra spiteful uh. bug that was like no no you can have subtitles but they're going to flicker on screen for literally a millisecond yeah. and be gone like that so <laughs> it was annoying when it got to the point where it was like I, I literally I could go out of it come back in and it would fix it for a little bit and then it would just then unfortunately it got to a point where it just would go away for a bit thankfully they did patch that uh, not long after and they were aware of that and I got it to work before that patch thankfully as well I just pretty much went loaded the game rather than continue Mm. uh, and that seemed to fix it I had the same bug but I was able to um exit out of the game and then come back in and that generally fixed I ran into a decent amount of bugs while I was playing this game but this was this one recurred a couple times but whenever it happened I could close the game and then open it back up and that would fix it but whenever you're reviewing something and you run into a bug like that it's scary because it's like okay I have 40 hours into this game I cannot I don't have the time (laughs) to like start it over from the beginning you know, so it's like that kind of stuff can be make or break if there isn't a fix for it. But thankfully for this, it seems like there was. I even picked up the game in about a week at this point from when I finished it, and then I did a little bit of side quest stuff after. Um, 
Yeah. But last time I was playing the game, my arms had disappeared, and I could not get them to come back into the game, no matter how many times I closed it. So I'll have to open it up and see if my forearms have come back. But at some point in the main story, I just hit a point where it was like, okay, you're not going to have arms anymore, and that never went away. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a game that kind of relies on them, it's um, mm. <laughs> not the best. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean... There's a thing about this with um, open worlds where bringing up bugs, uh, you know, in reviews and things is interesting because we've seen it in so many of them. Yeah. A lot of these bugs where you're like, should we really bring them up? Because we know they're going to happen. We know they're going to get patched. And unless it's like severe, like we've just been talking about, where it's stopping you Mm -hmm. getting something from the game, then it's not really worth complaining about because it's old hat at this point you know it's going right. to be there it's very rare that you'll get an open world game that doesn't have those you know weird shit happening mm-hmm. you know, at some point I mean some of the, the um, character glitches you know like I had a couple of T poses I had sometimes you hit zombies and they just when they're in a crouch state and they just stand straight right. up like that dead they're dead but they're just right. stood there they're like and it's hilarious um, and there was one point where I drop kicked someone off a roof they came down to the next layer and you know that bit in the raid where he, that guy like back breaks uh-huh. on the balcony like that like that it's like that he was just stuck like that but he was he went at that angle and then he straightened out <laughs> he was like seesaw on the angle it's just like I love yeah. stuff like that though but it just, it's fun when it's I like think, that yeah. when it's game breaking no but yeah at least for me when I play a western RPG I know, like, one of the hallmarks of this kind of genre is player choice, and in a lot of cases, if it's in, like, the Skyrim Fallout lineage, it's going to, you know, simulate a lot of the physics as well. And so between, you know, player choices creating all these different potential game states that you could go in, and physics having to be simulated while you're playing, like, that's a lot of places where the game can break bad. And so you expect oh, yeah. you expect that kind of thing. I think the challenge as a reviewer is knowing is this beyond what is going to be able to be fixed with a day one patch? And like, yeah. you know, there's games that like, you know, I played Ori in the Will of the Wisps before that game came out and it was busted. Like the save the save was busted. <laughs> like I would just lose, you know, tons of progress randomly but it was the kind of thing that like I got a patch right before the game came out or you know I think it was right before the game came out that fixed all of that stuff and so we didn't include any of that in my review despite it being a big part of my experience as a reviewer but you know it's it can be hard to tell like is this the kind of thing that is going to define this game's legacy for you know like Cyberpunk where it's like we're two years out from Cyberpunk they've fixed a lot of that stuff but like people still think of Cyberpunk as like oh that busted you know, game. But then there's other stuff that, there's other stuff that like, oh, they fixed it before launch. Players, the bulk, the bulk of players are never going to see any of that stuff. So it's not worth even considering. I mean, weirdly, um, Fallout 3 and Cyberpunk both exist to me as unfinished games because both of them came to a point where I literally could not Right. further. It's like, they glitched in a way. I think, PS3 and Bethesda games then were not friends, right. you know. So when I played Fallout 3 a couple of times, I, I bounced off it, and the I got into mm-hmm. it, and I did. I did about sixty hours of it. I was doing the DLCs and stuff and enjoy it, but it started getting to that point where you know the memory problem right. starts coming in, and it just 
it just slowed to a crawl and then it just wouldn't load and it's like and that was it I couldn't yeah. play it anymore that was it and I could not do it and New Vegas beat that record in about five hours I couldn't do that and it was um, really unfortunate because with Fallout 3 I was really yeah. enjoying it to get to that point we were like oh I don't really I'm not going to start it again you know, it's, <laughs> at this point because it's just uh, you know I have the option now where I could know that it'll be okay because I've got it on Xbox and PC but you know it's finding the time and the care to right. do it that's why I was so high on Fallout 4 when it came out because I, I got through that game for review like a dream you know it was like uh, I know the other guy playing it for us at the time was like I can't this game I hate it it's just broken every five seconds nothing's mm. working like that it's like ah someone else suffers this yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I mean like Skyrim on PS3 was notorious you know for this uh, you know with the memory leak problem there as right. well and and I got, I had to take a couple of weeks off it beforehand, um, to, and came back to it after all that had started. So I found out a couple of the things where you can sort of avoid some of the problems. And not only did I manage to finish that game, I managed to mm. platinum that game. That's so I put hundreds of hours into that, and it was great. Um, and Cyberpunk, yeah, I was enjoying that. You know, I thought mm-hmm. it was okay. It did a lot right. But yeah, again, it just a mission glitched, and it wouldn't. Not only would I not, not let me continue that mission, it wouldn't let me go and do anything yeah. else either. It was like everything else was just, and it was unfortunate. So I just ended up not reviewing it. We just like we said, well, I can't review what right. I can't finish, and it feels unfair to give it a right. score, you know, in that regard. So I just like, nah, just what they, if they want to come and ask for a score by all means I'll do right. it but you know I'm just going to say no not reviewing this because I can't finish hopefully this year that's the game that I will be able to finish right when it, uh, gets yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it when they put out the because my PC is okay but it can't run things at like ultra and I would like to play that game mm. like I'm hoping the PS5 version when it comes out is really you know up to snuff so that I can you know play there I would like to put you know I had one of the coolest quests in that game, um, which is where you're going around and collecting all these uh, cars um, from the different yeah. uh, areas of the map, and it's like a cool way that the game introduces you to all the different regions with these individual story quests. And that broke for me, so I didn't get to finish it. So I'm hoping that when it comes out on PS5, those technical issues are smoothed out. There's stuff that they I, that are beyond glitches. Like, there's systems that just aren't implemented. Like... There was a video that went semi-viral around the time that game came out where it was like, you shoot into a crowd, the pedestrians start running, you do like a 180 turn, and then when you turn around, there's no pedestrians there. So it's like, it's not a system that actually is like simulated, (laughs) it just is like the appearance of it being simulated. Corners cut, definitely see that. Like we were saying before, I think that's why you get a lot of that criticism with this game, is that beyond the fact that it's a Polish studio I think it's just the fact that it's an open world game that's promised a lot and people are like well it's not done this it's not done that I think you know a lot of people have been scarred badly by certain games and the, the expectations that came yeah. with them and over promising I think ever since the No Man's Sky thing it's just been ludicrous now where it's like any tiny slight it's like oh this is not like I was sold and it's yeah. like, that's game development you know, by now there's enough information out there to understand that what you want to do and what you can do is never going to quite mix right. you know because you're going to have money or time or both are going to be a problem at yeah. some point and yeah this is 
I left one of those. But what I will say is Dying Light, the original, had its own problems and they patched that really well. They kept adding to it over the year. I mean, they were still releasing right. stuff to this year, you know, for that game. So, and they did a pretty good expansion as well, you know, and added like a whole vehicle combat stuff in there. And it was like, wow, you know, they really did care enough to keep providing mm-hmm. for it. You know, it's not like they're, they're not rushing this out the door and saying, no, oh, this is it, this is what you right. get. They are, the plan will be the same as Dying Light, where they'll be like, this is what's coming next, 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 next. They've already said this year they're going to do there'll be DLC, there'll be extra bits and bobs, and yeah, like um, I mean, Dying Light had this whole roguelike mode called Hell Raid, which is just basically the game, but you're in dungeons and fighting yeah. skeletons and shit. It's like it was crazy. And they did a battle royale for it too, right? At some point, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like which was okay, but you know, it's like they also did um what Deathloop ended up doing in a way as well with the invasion mm. thing. Um, well, I suppose not just like definitely the dark yeah. side. I suppose if you want to be plain about it, but yeah, that whole idea where someone would come in as a special infected that would hound players mm. at night, and you know you then have this game mode that would like not end until one of you had been taken out completely. Right. You, and that was, I really enjoyed that for a while. But then when you try to do certain things, there's another reason why night was annoying mm. in that game because it was like I just want to get out of the night and get into the daytime because there was just nothing beyond getting more XP yeah like here at least you have activities and things and just while we're on that point mm. of the night um see segueing brilliantly <laughs> obviously um <laughs> uh, in the first game volatiles were like the big bad at night you know these super zombies that just like would jump around and they'd murder yeah. you basically if you didn't didn't get the old UV light on them I mean, they're here now, but they tend to stay indoors mm. unless you get caught out in a chase. Sort of yeah. And so they're somehow more rare and special to see, but they're also more lethal because I don't know if you ever tried going in one of those building GRE buildings in the daytime mm. to sort of see what was there. They mess you up pretty quick. What did the volatile? I remember the name, but I'm trying to remember what they look like. Are they the one that's got the like hard oh. shell on their back? No, um, you know one of the early mission with Hakon in the hospital where you're in the lift and that one's sort of sniffing out Aiden while he's sort of yeah. hiding in the, the lift. Yeah, okay. it's one of those, basically. Yeah, they're, they're super sensitive to UV light and at this time, really now, so they stay indoors most of the time. But um, yeah, those. it was nice to see them not become like the main thing of night because that was always the hassle in the first game. They were always patrolling and if they saw you you'd be chased by them now it's obvious now you had this whole thing with these screamers that basically alert everything and I don't know about you but I managed to avoid that Mm. a lot you know getting chased once you figure out the idea you know stick to the roof if you're going to go down make sure you check what's around the area easy when it does happen it's like fucking hell yeah it can really escalate quickly especially early on when you've got like it's big gaps between you and the next you right. like it's like there's no safety in going indoors it's, it's yeah. like uh, when you get to the um the central loop like as long as you if you can get up on top of a roof you generally are pretty safe unless you're like on one that has zombies on it already but you can get yeah. to like there's the one building that's got like the red panels that you can walk on along the side 
Yeah. And if you get up on those panels, you're generally safe. They can't get to you very easily. But yeah, the chases can be frustrating if you get hit with it at the wrong time. It, it can be really yeah. hard to get away from them. Um, but I think it's like it is smart to have a chase mechanic like that in a game that is is like focused on traversal as this one is because it forces you to like think about yes. your environment in that way and like to think quickly so that you're not just like okay I can go here and I'll be safe and like you're not approaching it cautiously you're like having to make those decisions in like split second you know reactions yeah. and I think that is like a smart thing for a game like this to implement it just can be frustrating if you like get caught when you're on the ground and have like no way to easily get up you know yeah, yeah. See, when you've not been paying attention for a minute and you end up with these sections like that, it, it is just, oh, Christ, yeah. what do I do? What do I do? I mean, it gets easier as the game goes on, as you say. It just, especially when you start unlocking more areas to sort of be safe at it. But um, I suppose you haven't t- talked about that, which is actually one of the other sort of big changes that gives that a bit of danger at night. See, in the first game, the only danger was really that, you know, the volatiles and the undead were a bit more mm. tetchy. Um, here you have this whole thing of now being infected has this almost vampiric nature now where the longer you're in the dark the more likely you are to succumb to you know this illness and become one of the infected Uh, so you're fighting that throughout the entire game and that's why you have to make sure you keep near UV lights which makes those indoor night sections that bit more tense because when you haven't don't know where the next UV light is going to be and you only have a limited amount of supplies, especially in those early moments. It, it can be really hard, and like, you know, probably some of the best horror moments of just knowing that you've got very little resources, you don't have much time, but you've got to get past a bunch of things. You're still not quite sure how everything works with them, and yeah, the first time it sort of all goes wrong, it just—it's horrible, panic-inducing horror stuff, and it's. Yeah, yeah. there is a quest pretty late in the game that you can get called the I think it's called the Wall of Heroes or something like that. But you can unlock it on the (laughs) PK ship. And what that is is it's like this, you know, woman who was a widow of one of the PKs who died who is asking you to go and get, you know, the fallen PK's dog tags and bring them uh, to her. And so that, like, sends you across the map to... It's all buildings, and it's, like, you know, dark buildings where you are, like, trying yeah. to navigate to usually pretty low... It feels like you're, like, spelunking into a cave, kind of, where you have to, like, manage your, yeah. you know, exposure to the light and, like, figure out where enemies are and, you know, which ones are going to be difficult to avoid because like some of them sometimes the levels will just fill them with like 30 you know of the regular zombies who you can take out pretty easily but like others will have like I don't know I don't remember what it's called but it's the one that's got like a really hard protective outer shell that's hard to hard to kill like one of the ones you had to do you had to like navigate around one of those and so those are those I really enjoyed because they felt like um, specifically designed Missions and like if you break it down, it's like it's a it's a fetch quest. Obviously, you're going to get something and bring it back to yeah. somebody. But it's like what it is doing within the structure of that is interesting. And basically, I mean, I'm a real sucker in open world games for anything that feels like 
as bespoke as like a mission in like a you know linear game, and those are the kinds of things that's yes. like that felt like okay, this is very specifically designed for this experience, and I enjoyed all of those, you know, and in general yeah. the exploration of like the specific buildings that they've built I enjoy that quite a bit there's one there's oh, the yeah. main quest that you do where you're like you know you and like the other you and the PKs are like fighting up to get to the top of this radio tower oh, and then yes. when you get to the top of the radio tower you can divvy up it, who it you know who gets control of the the airwaves and that whole section getting up is very very fun and like it ends. You've been in the darkness for like you know the vast majority of it, and then when you get to the near the top, you're outside and you're like doing you know platforming challenges, and you're like you know thousands of feet above you know the the rest of the game world, and that that was very. Um, anytime they do that, there's another quest where you're at like a, a church where you have to climb up to the top of the building. Anytime it is like putting you on top of the world where you can see the world beneath you is very exhilarating yeah. too yeah it really is I mean that mission you were talking about before with the PKs was really well done in that regard because it does just feel like this long section of like you know, a non-open world game it just has this you know the whole thing of going in there the talking up what's up there that they've been doing and like meeting all these people and then having to fight a little way up to get to somewhere where you'll be okay, sort of safe mm. and then sort of having a breather before you go up to do the next bit and there's that whole tense thing in the lift where you're going up and the, the power cuts out a couple of times and it's like and just then all the hell that breaks loose straight after that you know where you get out and one of those exploding ones just basically takes out the team and everything goes to help them. and yeah as you said then ending on that whole getting outside and actually having to do these precarious jumps and leaps and stuff like that it's yeah probably one of the strongest parts yeah. of the entire game in terms of like if you're going storytelling then yeah that, stuff like that works because it, it feels you know cliche stuff of mm-hmm. course but you know that's what kind of what you want you know with this you don't you're not really looking for some sort of deep insightful game right. in that regard I mean this is this this mission alone has references to, to some of the, these people being Names from characters from Aliens mm-hmm. and Resident Evil. You know, there's a Chris yeah. and a Leon being uh, two of the soldiers. Um, and the wife of Leon looks suspiciously like New Jill mm. Valentine <laughs> as well, which is, um, albeit with a very clipped British accent. Um, but yes, it's, yeah, that, that was good. My only probably downside on that mission was the fact that it does all that building just to get out that lift and then just everyone gets right. blown to bits by a <laughs> rather than having to do that but yeah that was a really really good bit and yeah the cathedral thing was cool and it having been to um, Hamburg a couple of years ago in Germany it just a lot of the city you know which is supposed to be mm. Eastern European sort of area it does have that look and yeah. feel to it you know with the waterways and the cathedrals and it was like yeah it felt like a real place but I mean, that, that's what I like about it. The architecture is very consistent with that, you know. Like the first game was, it, it did very much feel like, you know, sort of Turkish-style Middle Eastern yeah. city. You know, um, and this very much feels like, you know, sort of Bavarian sort of thing. Yeah. And, which is great. Again, that fits perfectly with the vibe Dying Light goes for, where it, you know, a lot of Euro horror that comes from that sort of 
Italy, Germany sort of range. I think of like uh, demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, with that, some of the building work in there was just lovely to see. So yeah, I was very much into missions mm-hmm. like that. Anyway, but uh, what we didn't like maybe as yeah. much it's differing degrees was the dialogue yeah so I will say I was, I was going to say just to carry it for me the first game I, as I said that I don't really think it has great mm. dialogue great story necessarily it's very mawkish and cliche it's exactly why I didn't like the beginning bit mainly not necessarily because of what I was being shown but more the the words yeah. being said which is like this, the way he just uh, it's very much like the way Aiden talks about this how sad this stuff is in the beginning of that game to me is like Troy Baker doing some sort of video on the internet about oh you should care about yeah. this thing sort of thing like that it's like just this I'm so, so sorry guys this is, this is just <laughs> terrible you know like, it, it, it wounds mm-hmm. me it was like that and it just yeah it, it riled me the wrong way I think in, in that yeah. regard and yeah there's all sorts of problems with the dialogue I'll agree mm-hmm. I think the characters are stronger yeah. here it's you know there aren't many likeable characters um, but I suppose that's the point they're going for with it but um, yeah I found them at least interesting yeah and the, the characters designs are quite interesting you know they've got this very uh, middle ages for the modern times sort of look to them and the way they're dressed mm. and you know that extends to you know the fact they've pretty much thrown guns out entirely this time and gone full mm. melee with the odd exception which is good but yes um, it's uh, a lot of dialogue there being an open world game yeah. and some of it is just well I'll, I'll let you sort of delve into exactly what uh, (laughs) some of the uh, choice notes Well, at some point I had heard enough dialogue that was like extremely clunky that I started keeping a folder that was just called bad dying light (laughs) lines on my phone Um, it just is like it's not as much it's not just that the dialogue is bad as there is a lot of it you know it's like Yes, I think that's the biggest right. problem. It's, it's like, you know, it is a game that, like, is, you know, the big promise of it. And, like, I think the stuff that got me excited about it is, like, this is going to be a story with all these, you know, branching paths and characters that you can side with and factions that you can ally yourself with. And, um, but it's just like in any scene where I'm having, like, a conversation with another character, I just want to you know, do anything else. That's sort of how I felt. Uh, The line that I have in the doc here is, so there's a scene where you go to, um, you can go and help the carriers, which are like, you know, parkour postmen, basically, where you can, you know, like, agree to help them deliver packages all over the city. And when you first go there, the guy doesn't trust you at all. And he says... This is a specialized organization. You can't just walk in off the street and get a job here. And Aiden says, I'm not waltzing. I don't even dance. Nicholas, he gave me this letter. And it just is like nobody has ever talked like this. You know, like they're they're sort of reaching for something. And, you know, I think like you were saying is that because this game is pretty ambitious, like 
its faults are more notable. And so, like, when they are trying to make this game where you care about the characters and are invested in the dialogue and make these decisions, the fact that, for me, it just falls really flat in everything that has to do with, you know... Not everything, but in most things that have to do with the story or the characters really hurts it since that is such a big part of the game, you know? If it was just a fun zombie parkour game, you know, if it was like Mirror's Edge but zombie parkour themed, you know, then any dialogue I could probably forgive, but it is such a dialogue-heavy, story-focused game that it makes it difficult to disengage with that. I mean, unless you get a bug that, like, removes all of your dialogue and audio, then it might be a little (laughs) easier that way, but, like... I wanted to engage with the game on those terms since it was, you know, a big part of what they were selling, and it just uh, just didn't feel like they got there for me. And I'm wondering, you know, they were working with Chris Avalone, the famous RPG writer, and then he, yeah. you know, was dealing with sexual misconduct allegations, and so they ended their relationship with him. And I'm wondering if, like, this is, you know, whoever was left trying to, you know make the story work yeah. without, you know, a dedicated writer. I, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can speculate about it, but it was promised as this big RPG. He was like their badge of honor is like, look, we're taking our, we're taking the story seriously. We have the guy who wrote Planescape Torment, you know, working on it. Um, yeah. And so I'm sort of wondering if, you know, if they had had more continuity there with like a writer who was there from start to finish, if we would have a different, you know, product but that's just speculation because i don't know what you know i don't know exactly what happened behind the scenes yeah i think there's several key changes that obviously with the the uh, hiccups they had at some point in development as it obviously the game went on indefinite hiatus for a bit while they were um sorting problems out i think in the aftermath mm. of that um which as i've seen a few people point this out in reviews as well that you can kind of see that the joins and the scars of where they've had to sort of compromise and change things and you know you can't you know you could they can explain that they can tell you that but you know the majority of people aren't going to listen to that anyway so you you're, you're screwed basically and you've already promised this this and this and yeah it feels like one of the compromises they did to try and offset avalon is getting rosario dawson mm-hmm. in because that story feels very much like it was inserted in the middle of yeah. everything. Like, like, it's the only thing that seems to stay consistently whatever way you do mm. things. Yeah, it, it sort of becomes as much her character Loan's story as it does mm. yours. You know, without... It's almost like... If she'd been there from the start, I do believe she would have been the sister character mm. that you're searching yeah. for. And it did seem to allude to that for a long time, which, you know... I thought we were getting some very Deathloop vibes again where they were sort of <laughs> <laughs> skirting the line between is this uh, right. is this incest or is uh, it romance? We don't know. And then does neither. But yeah, but um, yeah, and then it's, it's a strange thing. And I just think that while I think that's probably one of the better performances yeah. in the game, you know, because she seems to get or had more control over her dialogue mm. maybe because it's very, it's a lot, she does a lot of natural stuff, stuff that feels normal you know and doesn't feel like it's a false right. joke and probably probably because we're used to hearing Rosario Dawson mm. speak and you know and how she you know puts herself yeah. across so you'd be like okay yeah that's Rosario Dawson okay that makes sense um, 
but whereas the other characters it's just people you know it's like we don't know these people and how they are normally so and it does very much feel like they're reading from right. a script in, in some cases but yeah it's a horrible point for me in that sense because I think it adds something to the game having her there and that character there but I just wish it had been better integrated yeah. as part yeah. of the story you know not just been I almost wish she'd been the, some sort of rival you know again a, Maybe again, this doesn't help the game that it came out after Deathloop, but it just there's a lot of the early thing with her coming in that did feel right. like that. You know, this whole "Why are you after me? Why are you hassling me?" like sort of thing, like that. And yeah, it was. It's it's a weird bit again. Just one of the bigger noticeable things about the game that you can see ideas shifting and changing somewhere during development to sort of offset these problems. Yeah, I think that you know. You, Aiden, Hakon, and Lawan are sort of the three central characters, and I feel like all of those performances are at least, you know, decent. Like, I feel like, you know, yeah. Aiden sort of has the most thankless task, and that, you know, he is a cipher and sort of has to be whatever you want him to be, and so, like, that isn't a performance that yeah. I feel like really gets to shine, but I feel like Hakon and Lawan are both pretty good. Yeah, the dynamic is good on yeah. that as well, which is, is. And then I feel like as you get out from there, like, you know, there's a character that there's like a father and son in the bazaar early in the game where it's oh, like, I, I feel like this performance is not very good and there's a whole lot of it and he has a stutter and so it takes a long time for him to say his lines. So it's like, yeah. you know, like it, I feel like the central characters pretty well done in terms of the voice performance at least, but then you have a lot outside of that that is not nearly as well performed and there's still a lot of that you know yeah there, there is a lot I mean yeah that performance to me I was just thinking I, seeing that I was thinking this is someone loves the booth of <laughs> saints uh, that says because it just reminded me of that of the bar yeah that. it's just uh, oh, who's the other guy I, oh Juan I think it was you know the uh, the guy who likes expensive right, right, right. tastings and you know like that I like the way that was set up in the sense of the, you know he's this elitist prick and you know like he's not impressed by you or like that and you sort of but then you kind of find out yeah he's not that bad you know like, I know that's very much the way most characters go in this where it's like oh you think they're bad they're not or you think they're good right. they're not and but his just felt much more natural and I liked the idea of this guy who's like yeah I, I just I'm like this peddler of information and all that and it's just a shame he sort of gets a very late stay mm. in the game and then sort of changes completely after a while and he's like buddy 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 with you at least I found anyway all my playthrough yeah. I know some stuff that this changed yeah yeah um, one thing you know that I definitely will say about this game is that I talked to another reviewer while I was playing it um, mm. to try and figure out you know he had finished it and I was getting close to the end I was trying to figure out how close I was to the end but as I like you know offered my plot points they were not things that he had you know seen and he had finished the game so it is it is definitely yeah. like in terms of like the mechanics of it like I don't think the writing of like the story is especially great but the the mechanics of like doing the branching path so that you're seeing different things depending on the choice you make it seems like they did pull that off I just am not because of like the content of the story I'm not especially eager to play it through again but in terms of the mechanics of it it seems like they did you know do it well yes I think they did I mean 
I when I was having problems with the PS5 version, um, they kindly sent me a code for Xbox to sort of try and until the patch came through. So I thought, well, I'll take this opportunity to sort of try out a few different things then and see what if I make this choice and this choice. Now, in general conversations, when you have choices, you tend to sort of go back. You, know, you come back to the same conclusion, like um, the early mission with Ator and the whole finding out who's the killer sort of thing. You know, you can choose either to do you know do a favor for Ator and actually search for the killer, or say no. Whatever you do, you still end up searching for it. so the missing item and all that. Um, but yeah, the bigger choices definitely make differences to the world, you know. But again, as we said, not as impactful as they may have been meant to be, you know. Um, like I think one of the noticeable things about choosing the peacekeepers um, is that the bazaar gets emptied out, mm. you know, and that's what really happens. It's yeah. just empty, you know. It's like it's a couple of zombies, I think, at one point, but then it just. And the same thing happens with the peacekeepers later on. If you um, change your mind on certain things, that one of their areas just empties out of people yeah. completely. Um, but yeah, it's there. I, I agree, it's definitely there. But again, you can see the holes mm. in it. One of the weirdest things to me was near the, you know the end of the game. You know, to I mean, very near, just before you go on that sort of final fight. Uh, and you have the you go to see the colonel, and suddenly realizing this is the first bit of gameplay they showed us mm. years ago. You know, like the the thing they said about the water and like oh it will flood this right. area and do that. Like, and it's right at the end of the game, and it's with a character you've not met before, you never meet mm. again in the colonel. And I remember the vi- audio for that video, the, how they were talking up, saying you know oh this guy's important in the world, he has this and this. It's like you never get to see him until that point. And then, and it, and it was probably one of the quickest of the. Oh, he's a bad man. He's a bad man. You fear him, and it's like straight away. It's like, no, I'm cool, dude. Look, right. I'm just trying to be like you, and I do. And it's just such a quick yeah. turn. But it just feels like that was shifted from somewhere right. else in the game. Yeah. You know, it's, I didn't remember that about it being the you know them showing it before, but I thought it was strange that this is the guy that's in charge of the renegades who are like the most Mad Max ass faction that you encounter in the game and are just always like shrieking and like saying insane like you know like they are presented as like these wild cannibalistic people and then you encounter the guy who is their you know boss who is you know allowing them or encouraging them to act this way and he is like a normal dude you know like you talk to him for a little bit yeah. and then resolve it quickly through a discussion like it just it does seem like something changed there to you know to sort of like shuffle his character off stage in a way that maybe they didn't intend to originally yeah and possibly um cut out that particular impact you know as they said if that was the point where you could end up flooding or killing off an area that you're not going to see it you know right. so by putting it that late in the game yeah that quest is also one of the only times that there are third-person cutscenes in the game. When you are, you're what like riding in the <laughs> in the truck to go to see the colonel, and the camera zooms out, and it does a third person. And that is, it's like in a game you expect that if there's a shift between third and first person, that it means something. Like Anthem did, like every scene that happens in the town square is first person. Every scene that happens, like in the action, yeah. is third person. It's like okay, that's a consistent 
change, but here there's no real reason that I could discern that they were shifting it that way because you could just you could also render that you know scene of him riding in a truck from first person and it doesn't seem like that would cause a problem. Yeah. So I don't know what the idea was there. Yeah, I mean you could literally take them out of it, but nothing would, and you'd lose nothing because they were just like transitions. Right. Of, again, I don't. You can visit that area again, can you? If I remember rightly, but. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just loading this mm. extra place, and they take it off, which makes all this very, you know, all the weirder right. now because you know this thing that they've been showing us for years is now like this hidden. Yeah, <laughs> just like no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I kind of want to go back and see if you can get there any other way. I don't remember. Yeah, because you know, it was when I saw the building, and I was like, I recognize this because I remember seeing this building, and yeah. It's, I, Distinctly in my mind, and then that whole conversation in the car with the guy freaking out about getting caught. And I was like, "Yeah, no, this is the scene. This is the damn thing." That... And it's coming now. And I was thinking, "Does that mean the game's not over for yeah. a long time?" <laughs> it's like, it's like. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, it does go on a bit right. after that, but it, it's um, pretty much one long. Right. Yeah. It's all. It's all pretty point. much linear. I don't know. I mean, there's. I think shortly after that is the point where you can. They like I don't think you can fast travel away from that point because they set up a shop for you like on the road before you go on to the next yeah. mission. So I think I think you're That's right it. that that might not be a place you can go back to visit. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, strange. I mean, I mean, like E3 demos, like developers are increasingly open about the fact that those are sort of smoke and mirrors that are you know you know oh, yeah, yeah. created to like sometimes those are like created completely out of sync with like whatever else development is going on with the game so it's like they could have made that and then for whatever reason had to not been able to implement it into the game the way they planned to but yeah i don't know so um, before we get to that ending um a quick word on combat um so i know you had issues with combat yourself i mean i did a little Mm. bit not particularly because i didn't like it but more because it didn't feel as mm. chunky as yeah. the original did. Uh, there's more impact and heft to like. Sl- I think it also helped. There was this really cool like slow motion thing when you locked off heads and limbs in the first yeah. game, which is it made it the the, the the sort of slowing down of the sound and the squelch and the head sort of pirouetting for the air just felt yeah. funny and kind of cool. But it's like here, it, yeah, it's just. I mean, one of the first things I did was turn off the hit bars on enemies because it just makes it look depressing <laughs> as a game it just takes you out of it yeah I hate that for the yeah. game so I didn't want to know but the problem is then you're hitting things for ages and not really knowing how much right. is going to kill them it's like that and it doesn't always feel consistent yeah. when it's good when it is good it's really good and it is very much expanded from the very basic stuff in the first game you know like I said the best thing about the first game was drop yeah. things off roofs and that's still very much one of the best things here. But there's the little dances you can do with multiple mm. enemies, while not always mm. perfect, they when you really chain those things together and it works, it's really cool. Yeah. And you know, like you can just sort of knock someone off balance, jump over them, kick the guy behind them, turn around, do that. You can throw a knife if you've got the right skill, you can throw a knife yeah. at that guy. It's it's but pulling it off really does sort of require being everything sort of going right. Yeah. I think right. more than skill. Yeah. I think like 
Um, my big frustration with it is that early on in the game, when enemies can only do basic attacks, I felt like okay, it's easy to it's easy enough to like get into a rhythm where you can tell okay they're attacking now. I need to block yeah. that block staggers them, and I can jump off them and attack somebody else. And that's a good that's a good yeah. rhythm. But they, as they try to complicate it, it makes it so that it is not conducive to play in that way. Even though that is the most fun way to play. Because they can also like yeah. throw things at you, they can do power attacks, and they can shove you, and none of those things are blockable. So it's like, but they are later. Oh wait, if you want, you can unlock a skill that. You okay. Can yeah, I, I think I don't think I have that, or if I did, I never bothered with it. With that's like thrown objects you can deflect, right? Yeah, and arrows. I think, okay. As well, so. Yeah. So I mean that that's good. I think my beef still is like there are the power attacks and the shoves that just you can't do anything about it except dodge. Yeah. And so that makes it so that it is constantly, like, taking you out of that dance, you know? Yes. Like, I want to be doing the parry, jump, you know, attack, you know. I think that is a fun rhythm, but it sort of complicates itself out of its best version. You know what yeah. I mean? I think one of the problems there is that they give different types of the same unit different moves to sort of choreograph what's going on uh, and what they're going to do next but obviously yeah. in the moment you're not really thinking you could, they're not distinct enough that you can go oh that guy's going to do this kind of thing and that the only real thing you notice say with the, the uh, bad lot is that you know you have the alarm guy who will invariably do that right. and you can do take him out but other than that yeah they, they move very wildly different and you also have the other problem of in most cases because it's street level the undead well, just they could be everywhere around you, which yeah, right. you can use to your yeah, advantage, yeah. of course, as well. But it's still just like, you know, as you say, the rhythm can be upset by these things, right? And I think it particularly, it's like when somebody's going to do a power attack, you can tell they're going to do that. Yeah. I think my big beef is like the the shove is hard to tell if they're going to do that or a regular attack. Yes, and it's not, it's impossible to block it. So it's like okay. I would like I like having the power attacks in is like okay that gives me something else to do so I'm not just blocking all the time because early on it does feel like oh this might just feel like like the early Assassin's Creed games where you can only attack after you <laughs> counter you know yeah um, and it isn't like that but I wish that they I don't know gave you some sort of solution other than just dodging all the time because it feels like that's what the late game devolves into is just dodge every attack and that yes, makes it, it or be first to drop kick them basically right. it's, uh, which is ended up being my go to I think uh, by the end which is like if I see them and I get there first run at them kick them that takes one out right. of, you know that takes one out of the way at least um, on rooftops is just you know like pretty much eliminate someone before you even started which is great but yeah, yeah it, it probably shouldn't have been I don't know if it's the game or just because I like doing it but you know, it's, yeah. it ended up being just very very common that I ended up doing that yeah um, yeah so as we say you know, there's plenty to it that's good it just has those sort of things that don't gel with it occasionally like more often right. than not it, it does the job I just wish it was a little more weighty I think it is more mm-hmm. of a thing and some of it just feels like I mean there's the dropkick does bring up one thing which is like when you hit certain enemies, it'll knock them back a bit, and you'll get hurt as well as them get hurt. Whether well, they don't really go for you, then it's just—it's not always a consistency in like if you're actually getting hit by the undead. You know, and yeah, I mean, some of the latest is quite cool that you can 
when you're running through crowds that you can just put your arm up and just shove your way through and right. that, that's that works really well or just jump over their head during you know before that you really have to sort of you know barely clip anything and you're like oh you've been hurt a little bit you know which is yeah not too bad but you know it accumulates and you, before you know it, you've not noticed you've lost a whole bunch of health and then you end up coming into some raiders and then they can get really vicious and take and right. the healing in the game is interesting in that regard because you know you have to stop and heal in most cases and take several yeah. seconds to do so even the, like the old style med packs are like really you know take a couple of seconds at least uh, so you know you have to get out of the way and sort of retreat and I mean it's cool in a tactical sense but there are times where it's just not possible you know, and um, right yeah it, until you get those sort of um, old style medical packs it, it's near impossible at times to, without dying and restarting in those cases right and it's like the basic you know the ones that you can make easily with the chamomile and honey yeah. take they take a long time to use and they don't restore a ton of health so it's like if you are dealing with an enemy that has a projectile you A don't have enough time to do the healing and even if you do they might shoot you with an arrow that takes off the amount of health that you were able to yeah. restore so it just is like I don't know if I want to bother with this or if I just want to like run away you know that's it yeah and I mean again you can upgrade these things but it takes a lot to sort of uh, you know you have to find special things and kill certain infected to get you know certain upgrades uh, yeah there's a lot of that sort of thing which you know is very much busy work and I can see why some people are very frustrated by that and this whole thing of like how it doles things out to you I think I like the limitations that, that are there yeah. and how it just because again it reminds me of the first game and like it's giving you a lot of stuff you just don't realise how much it's not giving you until you get it you know and right I mean if you got given the parachute uh, thing and the glider sorry and the grappling hook early on they'd be useless really they, they just wouldn't have the impact for that area you know I like yeah they don't the the glider in particular doesn't work there because it takes two or three seconds to open fully yeah so like if you just jump off one of those roofs like <laughs> you will open it like right as you hit the ground if at, at best a lot of the time yeah you know? I mean it, it does get fun experimenting with that on occasions where you sort of half glide to the ground and then like kick someone and as you come down, yeah. saying like that's really fun, but yeah, the amount of times I sort of like misjudged that, and like, and you just in real time are going shit, 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 but dead, right? <laughs> like that. It's yeah, like, it's, yeah, it, it's uh, fun to sort of get used to that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we'll end on the ending. You know, as, you know, sure. As, uh, we haven't spoiled too much, I'd say, um, mm-hmm. in this regard. But um, so in the original game. You basically chasing the big dictator guy across like rooftops, and his men are trying to get you, and uh, blah blah blah. And then you have a section where you've got to go through loads of volatiles and run away from them, and then it just ends with like a button mash sort of QT thing where you stab him and blah 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 and all that. This is way more drawn out in, in that regard. Mm. This is like this goes souls like you know in terms of like here's the you know you have one stage of this fight and then another stage and another stage so without giving too much away you know you confront the guy who's basically got your sister you find that he's still got her but 
it's this whole ultimatum of like he needs to do certain things to keep her alive but doing so will destroy the city and so you've got to try and convince him for by killing him that you know he's not going to do that the problem with that is you know he himself is like super powered you know for experimentation and so he goes through stages you know he's like normal-ish he'll fight you like his Wesker power and then it's like he just sort of and it's the weirdly disappointing thing I might add before we go any further earlier on you face him in a point you know and he sort of reveals that he's got some sort of monster power but you don't really see him when you're in a chase where he's basically chasing right. you and you've got to run away and it's quite that's a really good section you know because you know mm-hmm. oh, Christ what is, what is he what is going on you know like that and but when you get to that fight you realise that he's just getting several levels of angry he's not really changing you know he's pretty much the same guy throughout despite all his right. you know big angsty things I mean what I did like about the fight is it was constantly a case of like look I don't want to, can we not do this come on just you know Aiden convincingly trying to convince him like we don't need to do this just come on be sensible here it's like mm-hmm. like that you know which you know, in turn you know we've said about the story being here, here so here and there but there I think you know the fact that he's, Aiden's gone blindly throughout the story doing things for people just so he can get to his sister whether they be good or bad yeah. things necessarily and here he, even just before that he's doing that but I feel he's you know with his revelations about you know what he is and who he is he sort of makes this thing he's found his sister but he suddenly realises it may not all be that simple it's like he's found her he thought you know is it worth keeping her if it's going to just hurt all the people he's met and have helped him and Again, yes, it would work better if the story was better overall and making you care about all those people. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was nice for it not to be the ending I thought it would be, you know, yeah. in that sense. Um, so what happens is, you know... I, I, okay, tell me how your ending went. I then just want to see if it's the same first before we... Um, so I think what happens is that you defeat him and then Mia comes out to check on you and you see a Mia for the first time and then I, I am struggling to sort of remember what happens <laughs> but I think you run you so like the explosion goes off and then you find out oh actually you escaped and Lawan escaped and Hakon escaped and then Lawan goes back and is like a leader at the the fish or the, oh, the, the settlement, yeah, the, yeah, the settlement in the central loop, yeah. And um, then you just, you know, left. You moved on, basically, you know, to be a nomad again with Mia, I guess. Uh, yeah. I think that's. I think that's what happened. I. Well, interestingly, it's different from what I had. So that's. Um, to what certain... did you have? So yes, same as in terms of endings. Well, certain different. So I'm a, right in assuming for you. With Frank, did you save him or not? Um, no, I went after the uh, the van. Yeah, so I saved Frank in my okay, and because uh, it's one of those decisions where it tries to make you make a split decision, and you still end up going finding the van anyway. But it's annoying as that is. So yeah, I saved him, and for me, Luan didn't survive because she sacrifices herself at the facility and blows it up. 
while you take mm. Mia out of there. Um, but then it goes on to the sort of epilogue of like, you know, he's, he goes off on his own because uh, she, you know, Mia dies a couple of weeks later because she didn't get the treatment she needed and like that. And mm. So yeah, it was similar then, but little, little changes. I think that might, maybe that might have happened for me too. I am not sure if it was like they, I think Mia might have died in mine too. Yeah, I mean, they don't show it. They just say it, like, in the end bit. They're like, oh, yeah, she right. only lived a couple more weeks. And it's like, well, that's nice. It's like, we didn't really get yeah. <laughs> we didn't get rid of the re- reunion we thought we'd get. But, yeah, it's... Uh, right. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I think that's what happened. I, I I struggle to remember an ending when it is, like, this is where it's, like, conveyed with text and, you know, sort of still screens. Mm. I struggle to remember what happens. But I think I think I might have had the same thing happen with Mia. But I definitely... Had Frank die and Luan survive, so that was definitely different. Okay, so that was a definite difference. Um, yeah, so yeah, Hakon had died by that point for me, though, because um, I'd let Luan kill him. Um, mm. Oh yeah, at the church. Yeah, yeah, but uh, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So this uh, little changes like that do happen, but um, but that was one of the scenes where I couldn't read the fucking dialogue. So it's like, mm. so it was like the choice came up, and I was like, well, I don't really know the context of any of this, so. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I mean, the guys just made me fight around the Stan Cathedral twice, so yeah, why not? <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> let him have it. Uh, I was actually, um, I was looking at the art book earlier, um, and all the character designs, you know, are very much look like they are now in the concept art and stuff. Like, he's uh, Hakon's the one character that is completely different, it's like he's really, huh. he was originally is a, a white. Blonde man like uh, tussle oh, hair like that. So yeah, I wonder if that was a late game change as well. But um, yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Playing this game definitely sort of made me hungry for some of the other open world RPG ish games that are coming out. Like I am reviewing. I'm planning on reviewing Elden Ring too, and I definitely will play Horizon Forbidden West yeah. and. You know, Starfield I'm excited for. Starfield I'm, like, cautiously excited for because (laughs) of the same reasons that we've talked about, you know, this game being buggy and Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 being buggy. It's like, you know, Bethesda, they've been working on this for, like, since Fallout 4, I think, you know, Mm. since they finished Fallout 4, I think they've been working on Starfield. So, you know, maybe it'll be really polished and not like every other (laughs) Bethesda game, you know. But I'm sort of skeptical about that, but I am excited for it regardless. But, you know, this game made me... I did not end up loving this game in the way that I hoped I might, Mm. but it did make me hungry to play more games like this because I like this type of game a lot, you know? Yeah, and I think for me, you know, I went in thinking, I'll be happy if it's just a bigger version of what I had before, and it is. Yeah. And for better or worse, that's what it is. You know, it does pretty much everything better you know even the story and the characters are better than what was on offer before but i think like you said ambition makes those things that go wrong stand out more so you know whereas the other game got away with that because it was more compact more solid and more dependable it made sense that you could sort of brush that story stuff off and i don't know to be fair dying light's expansion the following had a pretty decent story of this whole cult thing mm. and like this whole farmland and like uh, with the cars and stuff that was a nice little side story and probably probably the strongest storytelling in the whole lot of it so far but 
Yeah. That's probably why it's slightly disappointing. It's not as good as that, but I'd kind of put that as an aside on this one. I do think that they have a, you know, I didn't play the first Dying Light, but like the thing I know about it as somebody just, you know, in games is that people are very happy with what they did with, you know, the follow-up DLC and the way they supported it over the years. So I like am hopeful that like this game, you know, will get content that can take some of the foundations they have in the base game and like build on it in ways that are, you know, maybe more successful in the way they handle story and choice. Like I would love and like, especially if it's stuff that like you can take the skills that you have in this game and like carry them forward. So you have like the glider and the grappling hook. Like I will be very happy to play, you know, play some more of that, you know? Yeah. I mean the way this game ends either way, seems like that's it you're going to be able to go somewhere else and find you know with the same character in different situations so yeah that would be interesting I don't think we'll see that this year maybe next year but uh, I think we'll see sort of side stories come into it a bit more again this year and uh, we shall see but yes uh, thank you so much uh, for talking with me about this at length of course it's nice to actually chat about a game not long after playing it at launch you know it's um, so yeah it's um by the time this goes out, the game will have been out a week or so. So we've been very clear that we wouldn't spoil too much, but we, <laughs> until sure. this point. But uh, why not? Um, so, where can people find you out there, Andrew? Um, people can find my writing mostly at uh, Gamespot. Although, if you're curious about this review, that'll be a Wireframe magazine. But I also do a lot of news and reviews and guides and, you know, basically am a jack-of-all-trades at uh, GameSpot. Um, and if you just want to follow me online, you can find me at Twitter at FunnelChest94. Okay, so thank you for that, and I shall see you next week, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. Please consider following and rating the show on your preferred podcast platform. And for updates on the show, follow us on Twitter at SafeRoomPod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.